Yes, the reading begins on page 1233. And we're reading from chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 9, to chapter 2, verse 7. John's vision of Christ. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned round to see the voice that was speaking to me, And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. To the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. 
you have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do, do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Well, a very warm welcome to you as well. Good morning. Uh, and um, let's turn back to uh, Revelation chapter 1, on page 1233. I'm going to pray in a moment. The book of Revelation is, is, is unfamiliar to many of us. It's, a, it's not easy to be able to uh, navigate, to understand quite what's going on. Um, and some people find it just uh, so baffling, uh, just don't want anything to do with it. Uh, down through the ages, uh, there are some Christians who have said the book of Revelation is just, it's just all to do with the first century. And, um, uh, and that's how we understand it. Uh, and yet others have seemed said, no, 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 it's just about the end times when Jesus will return and all that will happen then. And both those views are wrong. Why? Why can I say that confidently? Because, well, uh, verse 19, uh, with Lord Jesus says to John, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So this is a book that applies to the first century and therefore uh, to Christians through the ages as they uh, understand it like, like we do with all of Scripture. We understand it in its original context to the original hearers but, um, but also and to what will happen later both on the near horizon but also as we'll see the far horizon. Uh, and we're to understand it in the light of that. So let me pray for us as we uh, ask God to help us as we open this word uh, that we would uh, see its importance to us. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, Lord Jesus uh, is alive uh, and not dead. He is living and active in the church. Father, he knows each one of us. He knows Trinity, indeed, as he knows all his people. Uh, and Father, we pray then that you would Help us to have a clearer vision of the Lord Jesus, to know him uh, and therefore to trust him. So please help us by your spirit to understand and to live by these words, for we ask this in your name. Amen. Um, when I arrived at my uh, previous church, um, just pause for a moment. If there's anyone from my previous church happening to watch the live stream, I just apologize for what I'm about to say. No. So uh, when I arrived at our last church, uh, in the church hall was a big picture on the wall of Jesus. It was, in my humble opinion, an awful picture of Jesus. There he was with long, flowing, blonde hair, blue eyes, kind of wearing a dressing gown, holding a lamp. Okay. It made me want to be sick 
Okay, I absolutely loathed this thing. But the problem was it was loved by a particular generation who have now mostly gone to glory. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, uh, after a couple of years of being there, not, not just because I didn't like it, it's because I thought it was deeply unhelpful image of Jesus. We redecorated the hall so I could take that picture down and hide it somewhere and forget about it, which I did. And um, uh, when someone asked about it two or three years later, oh, where's that picture of Jesus gone? Oh, I like that picture of Jesus, kind of sort of conversation. I could say, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't think it was a particularly helpful picture of Jesus. And again, it's interesting, is it? Well, how do we view Jesus? Because if our picture of Jesus is one who, frankly, wouldn't be able to last a week in a secondary school, how's he going to stand up to death, Hades, Satan? How's he going to be a Jesus for us? What is our view of Jesus? We need a picture of Jesus as he really is. Now, this particular portrait was, was saying something about Jesus' tender care for his lambs. And I don't want to diminish that because it is true, but that is not all there is to say about Jesus, is it? As we're going to see in Revelation chapter 1. In a fallen world full of disasters where evil often seems to triumph, where living as a Christian can seem futile, we need confidence where does that confidence come from? Well, it comes from knowing who Jesus is, and Revelation's written to help us do that. Well, uh, we're going to look firstly uh, at verses uh, 1 to 19, uh, sorry, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 20, uh, and then we're going to see uh, something else about Jesus from chapter 2. But firstly, I want us to see that Jesus is the risen Lord. And so we're not to be afraid. We're not to be afraid. Uh, now, uh, verse 9, we're told that John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so uh, John had uh, been suffering uh, for the for the gospel, the, the present difficulty he had of living for Jesus, he'd been uh, exiled onto the island of Patmos. And he needs to know in a world that rejects Jesus, we need patient endurance. We need to keep going with Jesus, not giving up, not giving in. And here on the island of Patmos, John has this first vision uh, given to him. We're told verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a, a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so here, John is given a vision, not for his benefit, but for the benefit of the church. Seven churches in the the, the Roman province of Asia, which is kind of Monday Turkey. And these churches weren't all the churches uh, in that region uh, because, well, the church in Colossae is not mentioned and that was in this area. But these seven churches represent the church universal. Uh, yes, they were actual churches who would receive a letter that was, uh, would be in part addressed to them, 
but the, the, there's, the, there's something here that's for all of them. Indeed, all these seven churches are going to receive all the letters that will be written for them, for the different churches. So uh, here's this letter written for the church. Verse 12, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And uh, among the seven lampstands was someone like a son of man. And the question is, well, who is this? Is this somebody kind of wandering around the lighting department in B&Q? Well, no, uh, here in the, in the vision, uh, we're to see uh, the one who is uh, the promised one from the Old Testament. Now, the Revelation uses kind of vivid imagery, uh, much of which is taken from the Old Testament. And that helps us understand what's kind of going on. So uh, we continue uh, in verse uh, 13. Uh, and among the, the lampstands was some one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Well, uh, this picture, uh, now remember, I mentioned this last week, uh, Book of Revelation uses a, a type of writing that we, we, we call now word pictures. And these words that are described conjure up kind of pictures that vividly describe in a dynamic way something more than what is simply just being described. In other words, this is not a photographic picture of Jesus. You know, how, how are we supposed to see the, the kind of, the, you know, his, his eyes and, uh, and his, you know, the, the, his, his mouth, uh, if his face is like the sun, the brilliance of it? It's kind of like, well, doesn't that dazzle you? How, how, how are we supposed to understand that it's not photographic? You could try and draw this image, but it would fail and it would miss the point. These are words that paint a picture that help us understand something of the reality that that is sometimes just beyond or too hard for words to describe. But they're also words that have a meaning given to us uh, in the Old Testament. So turn with me, please, to uh, keep your finger in Revelation, but turn with me to Daniel chapter 7, where these words are taken from. What is going on here? Well, we're meant to understand it from Daniel. So uh, Daniel 7, which is um, on page uh, eight, 893. And, uh, and here in, in Daniel, Daniel's given a vision. Uh, look at verse 9. We're told, uh, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from him before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. It's a, a picture of the ancient of days that God the Father, we would say, on his throne. But Daniel carries on in his vision, verse 13. Uh, in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. 
And he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples in every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. So here's this vision of this, the a son of man who is, if you like, uh, brought before the Ancient of Days to share his throne. Uh, a kingdom who's uh, given to him that will last, outlast all other kingdoms. Now, uh, turn over a, a couple of pages to Daniel uh, 10, and uh, he's given another vision of this son of man. Uh, verse 5, we read, Uh, Verse 5, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz uh, and it was around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. And so what are we to conclude as we turn back to Revelation chapter 1, this vision that John has, we ask him the question, who is this? Well, this is the one described in Daniel, isn't it? If this is the, the, the son of man, uh, but who has attributes of the ancient of days described to him, his, his hair, uh, for example. Uh, and Revelation 1 is saying to us, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Uh, So verse 17, uh, Revelation 1, uh, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And that's that's the big clue as to who this person is. The one who was dead and now is alive forever and ever. This is the risen and exalted Lord Jesus Christ, whom God the Father has given authority, glory, and sovereign power, and everlasting dominion. This is Jesus. Now, I said uh, last week, if you're here, uh, Revelation was written at a time when a Roman emperor was on the throne, uh, Domitian. He reigned from 81 to 96 AD. Uh, He was a man who did not suffer from low (laughs) self-esteem. If you asked uh, Domitian, what what do I call you? He didn't say, oh, just call me Dom. No, he said, uh, call me Dominus Deus Noster. That's Latin. I I didn't know what it meant. But I'm told it means our Lord and our God. That's what you want to call me? Our Lord and God. Now, Christians obviously weren't prepared to do that. And as a result, they suffered intense, systematic state persecution and were often killed for that. And look, when someone who's like that is in charge of your country, you need to know who's really in charge, don't you? And who's really in charge? Well, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a vision of Jesus. How do you view him? How do you view Jesus? 
See, John is given this vision of Jesus as he is now, risen and exalted at the right hand of the Father, the one who rules over all people, all times, all ages. He's the ruler of rulers, the king of kings. Here is your king. His eyes are like blazing fire. He sees everything. His mouth is like a sharp double-edged sword. Here he speaks and his words do the work uh, of both cutting to the heart but healing. Uh, he, the one who could both encourages us and equips us by his word as well as challenging us. Because from our innermost being, he wants us to be uh, his people who love him. And here is the one whom uh, he can't be knocked off his throne. His rule is complete and eternal. It is given to him, as Daniel saw, forever. Church of, Je- Church of Jesus, here is your Jesus. Here is the one who has loved you, gave himself for you, and rules over you and this world. Here is your Jesus. No powers or authorities on earth or in the heavenly realms can stop him, not even death. Here is your Jesus. Look at verse 18, he holds the keys to uh, death and Hades. He's, he's overcome death. It's, remember, he's, he's the one who died and w- rose again. And it's like, you know, as he died uh, and death couldn't hold him on the way out, he took the keys with him. And there's death and Hades kind of, kind of scratching their heads going, where are my keys? Who's moved my keys? Death, have you got my keys? No, I've, you've got my keys. I thought you had them. And they're scrambling around. But, but what's the significance of that is you can't, those who belong to Jesus, they're not locked in, are they, to death? No, no, no. It's not a prison anymore. He's opened the door. We are free. Jesus holds the keys. So he says, four words, four words in verse 17, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because when we see who Jesus is, whom shall then we fear? What is your vision of Jesus? Here is the sovereign Lord, the one who has overcome for his people. Justin Martyr was uh, a Christian who lived in Ephesus in the early second century, not that long after Revelation was written. And he wrote to the emperor, uh, called an apology, but he reminded the emperor that tyranny and threats are powerless against Christians. Tyranny and threats are powerless against them. Why? Because of the hope that we have. We know our Jesus. We know our hope. And therefore, all, all the threats are meaningless before him. He said these words, uh, Justin Martyr. He said, you can kill us, but you cannot hurt us. You can kill us, yes. You can take our very life. You can torture. You can burn at the stake. You can be um, uh, torn to shreds, shreds by the, the, the weapons of the Roman Empire But, says Justin Martyr, you can't hurt us. You can't hurt us. 
He's not saying that they're not going to experience pain. He's saying that the risen and exalted Lord Jesus Christ is the one who keeps us. And therefore, because of that, our experience, even in pain, threats, tyranny, is to know that we're secure in Him. You need not fear. And that's not to say everything will be okay. Do not be afraid. Know the one who holds you. The risen Lord Jesus. Well, what does that mean for the local church? Well, uh, chapter 2 and 3 describe these seven letters, these seven churches. Remember, it's one letter that's then read for all of them. Now, uh, what do we say? We know as we consider Jesus, we're to take to heart this second point, that Jesus knows his church, and so we're to stick with him. Now, um, these were uh, real churches uh, in the first century. Uh, John had come from the church in Ephesus, I believe. And what John is doing, uh, as, so what Jesus is doing in giving this vision to John is to help them have confidence to keep going. So uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 11, we're told, uh, sorry, verse 12, beg your pardon. He said, uh, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Well, what's all this about? Well, it's, it's language from the book of Zechariah. You can, uh, Zechariah 4, you can go and have a look at it uh, later. Uh, but uh, here, this, this vision of the lampstand represents, if you like, that the, the whole temple, which then Jesus describes as the people of God, because we're not left scratching our heads, because look at verse 20, we're told what the vision means. It says, the mystery of the seven stars uh, that you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so just as in Zechariah, the, the seven lampstands represented, if you like, the whole temple, uh, here the, the, the seven lampstands represent the whole church. Uh, and uh, it's a, a picture given to them that Jesus is not absent from them. He's not a million miles away in heaven. No, he's present where? Among the lampstands. Yeah, he's among his church on earth by the Spirit. He's with us. He knows what's going on. He knows our situations. He knows more than that. He knows uh, what we're doing. He knows our hearts. And so uh, John is to write to these churches because Jesus knows them. He's in control for the church. Now, uh, the, the, these seven churches, uh, next, the next two weeks, we're going to look at them a bit more carefully. Uh, Bob's going to take us through those. They follow uh, a route that you take if you're a postman kind of going around these kind of churches. Uh, they kind of, there's a route round that you would go. Um, and all the churches were to hear all of Revelation. Imagine that was a little bit uncomfortable when it got to your church, but there we go. Uh, here, a letter for them. Now, each of these seven letters uh, follows an identical structure. Uh, they firstly start with an address. So chapter 2, verse 1, 
to the angel of the church in Ephesus write? Uh, and the angel of the church there in Ephesus and indeed all the angel of the churches, it's, it's, it's not clear whether that's talking about a, a heavenly being who represents each church or I think probably more likely a, a, a senior elder of the church uh, who will then be reading out this letter to the church. Um, but then we have something about the speaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, verse 1b uh, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And, uh, and what we're told about the Lord Jesus uh, in each of the churches is taken from chapter one, that description. Uh, here is the one who knows the church. And that's going to be a bit uncomfortable for Ephesus, as we'll see in a minute. And then we're told something of which, about which Christ knows so that word, look at verse 2, I know, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. We'll, we'll see that again, he knows his church. Each church, Jesus will say, I know, I know. Uh, and then there's a call to reform, repent or to keep going, followed by finally a promise a promise, a reward for those who persevere, who keep going. So these, these letters are so that we stick with Jesus. And so in Ephesus, he writes, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know what's really going on. I know you cannot tolerate uh, wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered. You've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. He knows what's going on. Uh, he knows what they're doing. And he encourages them uh, in their faithfulness to him. Jesus is not setting out to condemn his church. And some of us need to hear that again and again. We can feel criticism hard. But no, Jesus is out to encourage, to strengthen, so that when the pressure's on, you will stand. And yet he knows their faithfulness. He knows their obedience. They've stuck to the truth, even when that's been hard. False teachers in the church, people trying to lead the church astray. They've discerned the truth. They've held on to it. But, of course, he knows the church uh, more deeply. See, the church is precious to Jesus. He, sometimes when he says, I know, uh, I see, uh, I, I, it's because he wants to encourage us in that. But there are times when it gets more uncomfortable. Uh, I see as you really are through the veneer of church life, uh, below the surface. Uh, I see beyond your fancy websites, your organization, the music, or whatever it might be. I, I see the spiritual reality of the church, which isn't what you think it is. And so Jesus can say, verse 4, to the church in Ephesus, uh, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you've had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. You see, he sees into their hearts. Yes, he can praise the church in Ephesus. This hard-working, Bible-believing, active in the gospel church, patient in suffering, hard-working uh, on the surface of things, you think this is a great church to be a part of. Yeah, they didn't tolerate the false teaching, of the evil practice of the Nicolaitans, whatever that was. 
but he knows their hearts. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Uh, if you watch the, the, the great British Bake Off, you know there's Paul and Prue praising this wonderful creation, this great, glorious, truly show-stopping bake, but then the knife is inserted and the bake is examined. And the question is, is, is what does it taste like? Is it raw? Uh, and you see the face of someone who's been revealed that their cake is underproved or whatever it might be. Well, a church might look great on the outside, but it's the heart that matters to Jesus, isn't it? He sees us as we really are. And you see, here is a, a church that has drifted in its love for the Lord Jesus. I don't think any of us would want Jesus to save that of, of us, would he? We wouldn't want that. Maybe some of us know that. We think back. You know, that zeal for the Lord, and yet over the years, it just grows dull. Well, if that is you, Jesus calls you back to himself. He calls his church back to himself. Look, look verse 5, repent. Do the things you did at first. If you look back and think, well, where's my zeal? Well, maybe you need to think about, well, well you know, what, what were you doing back then? Your, your, your commitments to the church, you, your, you set aside time, you were reading the Bible, you were willing to talk about your faith with others, and you were, you were encouraged and you loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Do the things you did at first, says Jesus. And here's a warning. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The, the, the church in Turkey today is virtually non-existent. It's a sobering warning, isn't it? Don't think that the church here today is guaranteed for tomorrow. But if you do repent, here's the promise. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Uh, stick with Jesus. Why? Because victory is coming. Hope will be fulfilled. Uh, and the glory will be your full experience to eat from the tree of life, to know his eternal life now and forever. Remember, John's been given these words for the church that they will be prepared for what they can't see. And when the church is in decline, when it is small and when it is struggling and when it is marginalized, when Jesus is mocked and ridiculed, when all that is going on, we need to know what we can't see. The church might seem powerless, but is Jesus weak? That's the question. And if you measure it by what we see, we will come to the wrong conclusion. John's writing, the revealed truth is so different. We, we need to know that Jesus is in control. He is the Lord. He is the one for whom all power, authority, and glory has been given. And we hold on to that, particularly when the truth seems the opposite. We evaluate everything by God's word, not by sight. And as we do so, we keep going. Stick with him. I am the first, the last, the living one. He alone 
is the one who brings life. He alone holds the keys of death and Hades. He alone is the one for whom all glory and majesty and splendor has been given. And so Trinity Church, will you turn around and see who is speaking to you as we look at the book of Revelation? Because as we do, we find our Lord, our rescuer, our saviour, and our King. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that the Lord Jesus is risen and exalted. You have bestowed on him all authority in heaven on earth. Thank you that he is glorious, majestic, and powerful. And Father, we thank you he knows us. Each one of us, he knows our hearts. He cuts through the pretense. He knows as we really are. And Father, we thank you that uh, as one who loves us and knows us, we can come before him as we really are. Thank you, we don't need to pretend before him. Father, we pray, uh, as he hear his word, it would cut to our hearts so that it might heal us as we turn to him. Please would we be a people who keep pressing on with the Lord Jesus because we know the one whom we have believed in. For we ask this in your name. Amen.